This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You, you're going to let me speak, sir. You think I'm qualified? Governor Newsom, talk about this partnership. Oh, désolé, je ne parle français. <laughs> You don't have to speak the same language to understand that we're all in this together. Divorce is not an option. Trust us. Don't fall asleep. I can't even say the age I'm going to be. I see dead people. We only build a better world if we're doing it together and gathering like-minded partners like California and Governor Newsom is the way that we make this better future a reality for everyone. Keeping me up at night. Hi, good night everybody. Be Halloween everybody! It is October 31st, the last day of October in the year 2022. It is a scary, scary day. You never know what could happen on Halloween be it a zombie showing up to your door or a Democrat canvasser, same thing, and you're eating a lot of chocolate and then you're not feeling so good at about 2 a.m., but you do it every year. I want to give a special shout out to Connor who put that little short together for us. And the short is posted separately, if I'm not mistaken, on our channels, if you'd like to share it elsewhere. Of course, as always, we are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Uh, subscribe if you have not. And uh, I was going to wait to say this uh, till tomorrow, since today is the last day of the month, but I think I can say it. Today, uh, we'll close out October, uh, which is our biggest month across every platform period. Like, like we blew away every number. So good things are happening. The team's feeling good. Uh, I was going to offer you extra guacamole today, but we had Chipotle. No, we had Chick-fil-A on Friday. We had Chipotle on Thursday. We're going healthy today, guys. I'm sorry. That's how it's going to be. There's going to be candy tonight. Anyway, uh, this is a big show for you. I have a feeling this might end up being our longest show ever because we are jam-packed and, and the momentum shift is real. I think you guys are really, really seeing it now. It's like, okay, we've exposed the woke for a long time. Enough people have seen it. People are sick of the chopping kids' genitals off. They have had it with the racism, all the stuff in schools, the crashing of the economy, the crazy war. People have just about had it with all of this stuff. And now the pushback really is here. The, the numbers now on these polls are starting to get crazy, right? There is looking like it's going to not just be a red wave, but a red freaking tidal wave basically across the country. And it's exactly what we need. And don't get overconfident about it, but it's happening. There are rallies now, even in New York, we're going to show you. Like, I think this Lee Zeldin thing is real. I said it a couple weeks ago when it sounded completely nuts. Now, a lot of people are starting to think it's real. The backlash to the woke is here. And the question is, if we take power, let's say, if we, whatever that means, right? Whatever that means. If we get some, some uh, more governorships, if we get the Senate, if we get the House, what does it mean? What, when I say we, I just mean sane people. If sanity is back, what will it look like? And then, of course, the other piece of all of this is that this Elon Musk purchase of Twitter cannot 
be overstated. This was a long time coming, right? I've done a million shows on this and was it gonna happen? Wasn't it gonna happen? How much was he gonna buy it for? Were they gonna force him to buy it after they were trying to make sure he couldn't buy it? How many of the accounts on there are bots and all of this? But how would this actually affect our national conversation, whether you're on Twitter or not? The tastemakers are on there and something does feel like it's shifted even only in, in the four or so days since he's taken over at Twitter. Uh, and then the weird story of the weekend, if you didn't hear about this, and we'll, we'll get into it a bit, is that Paul Pelosi, who is Nancy Pelosi's husband, I mean, think about it, this guy wakes up every morning, has to turn and see the Crypt Keeper over there. Uh, he, uh, he was arrested for uh, driving drunk a couple weeks ago. Well, apparently somebody bust into their house, basically a naked guy, there was a hammer, doesn't make a lot of sense. The guy lived in like a BLM uh, genderless house somewhere in San Francisco. Everyone's using it for their own political uh, posturing. We're gonna dissect that and much more on this Halloween. Real quick, guys, let me talk to you about real estate agents I trust, and then we will get to it. Uh, you know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be way worse if you're not working with the right agent. Usually our homes are our biggest investment, which of course is a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously, which is why I recommend real estate agents I trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one, they only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records. They're the best sellers in their field. And even under these intense economic conditions with high interest rates and high inflation, Real Estate Agents I Trust has provided their customers with agents who've overcome these challenges in the past. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com, give them some basic info, they will contact you, make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town, you will move and live happily ever after. Okay, so let's get to it. Because the internet, I just tweeted this out, and I think this is right, if I dare quote myself. The internet is starting to feel fun again. For as miserable as the censorship has been and the shadow banning, and if you post this, your friends turn on you and all that, something because of this Elon thing. Again, whether you're on Twitter or not, and if you're not on Twitter, God bless you, and don't get on Twitter. But it is the place where the stuff starts. The conversation starts there and then seems to burst forth into the real world. That's just how it works. Uh, well, uh, Elon Musk is now the owner of Twitter. He fired a whole bunch of people. We'll get to some of them in, in a few minutes. Uh, but because he is basically saying, his basic premise is this, hey, we're gonna defend free speech as much as possible. That's all he's saying. We are going to try not to police speech all the time. Uh, he has said, we are going to put together some kind of council, like a Jedi council of a bunch of people from all across the political spectrum to talk about what policies should be. This is exactly what a mature internet would look like. And maybe 20 years now into this social media adolescence, we're at the point where we, where we can level up this thing and mature this thing. By the way, the idea of having a few people honestly and uh, proactively discuss some of the policies is exactly what we're doing over at Rumble as well. So there, there, is, there are new rails being built right now in any event. Elon Musk takes over Twitter, uh, and then this, this wacky Paul Pelosi instance happens, and immediately, 
uh, people are screaming, oh, it's an alt-right person that broke into the Pelosi's house. Some people are saying it's a lefty. Like everyone's using it for their own political purposes. And Elon Musk got into it. So first I want to show you a tweet by Jimmy Kimmel. Now, Jimmy Kimmel, as you know, he is a late night comedian, but he's just part of the machine, right? I always say he's one of these guys like Colbert. They just give the machine what they want. They call everybody racist. If you're against them, they'll try to destroy you. Here's, here's Jimmy Kimmel's tweet to Elon Musk. He wrote, it has been interesting over the years to watch you blossom from the electric car guy into a fully formed piece of shit. And then he retweeted a tweet by Elon Musk. Now I'll get to the Elon Musk tweet in just a moment, but since Jimmy Kimmel is calling people a piece of shit, we went back into the archives and we found this. Well, here's Jimmy Kimmel doing blackface Carl Malone. Sometime at night, Carl Malone look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? The UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T.? Carl Malone read on TV about white people getting deducted by aliens, sticking all kind of hell up their butt. And that's a damn thing. Now, Carl Malone never seen no flying saucer himself, but if he do, that's gonna be a spooky time. That's why Carl Malone say, government got to step up and give 102% to keeping them little green men off this here earth. Cause the day them dudes stick something up Carl Malone butt, that's gonna, well, that ain't gonna be no good time for nobody. Especially Carl Malone butt. Listen up, E.T., you better stay the hell back. Nanu, nanu. Until next time, this here Carl Malone. That is not just blackface, that's full black body. Like you are in and committed to it at that point. Now that was Jimmy Kimmel, obviously, uh, whatever that is, 15, 20 years ago or so on, on the man show. And I think it's one of the reasons that he went so woke because he has to atone for his sins. But it's not like we could find another video of him basically in blackface, also making fun of a very fat woman. Would that be possible? My body is my temple. That's why I start every morning with a brisk aerobic workout. But I can't do it alone. Workouts are easier when you have a partner. My workout partner is my maid, Marguerite. Marguerite's soft brown stomach protects my knees and ankles from unnecessary wear and tear. Not too much longer, me sopra, okay? Ah! That means shut up in Spanish. 15 minutes a day is all you need to get your heart rate up to weight. Please, me sopra, you're crushing my... Oh. Oh. Sorry, me sopra. Remember, ladies, strong mind, strong body. I'm Oprah Jimfrey. Boy, a lot of blackface with this guy, also seemingly making fun of the Latina housekeeper. Uh, so when you're talking about the piece of shit, Jimmy, uh, perhaps a mirror would be in order. Uh, Elon Musk responded to that tweet with a... Uh, <laughs> the point is he doesn't care. So now why am I mentioning all this? Am I talking to you about this because it's so important that Elon Musk got into a fight with Jimmy Kimmel? No, that is not the point. The point is the narrative is collapsing because what is it, now I'll show you, what is it that Elon Musk was tweeting about in the first place that elicited such a response from Jimmy Kimmel? Well, it was a response to a Hillary Clinton tweet. Now you'll see how this whole thing comes together. We're weaving it together for you. Here's the Hillary tweet. The Republican Party and its mouthpieces now regularly spread hate and deranged conspiracy theories. It is shocking, but not surprising, that violence is the result. 
As citizens, we must hold them accountable for their words and the actions that follow. Leave that up there for just a sec, Connor, because uh, Hillary, now we know she does this, right? This is exactly what she does, right? It was a vast right-wing conspiracy 25 years ago when Bill Clinton was uh, sticking a cigar in Monica Lewinsky while on the phone with Trent Lott, which I always just think is the funniest part of the whole story. Um, but they're the ones, it's the Republicans sharing deranged conspiracy theories. That's funny because uh, Russia collusion, that wasn't a Republican deranged conspiracy theory. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. Uh, Jussie Smollett was hung. You know, you guys get it. It's it's the left and the machine that does this. In any event, she had no evidence that this guy that you're looking at there, that's the guy that broke into the Pelosi's home, okay? He lives in San Francisco. He's a nudist and apparently was a BLM guy. He had BLM signs in his things. He had the, the gay trans flag or where they ruined the rainbow, whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, so it's a little unclear, let's say, at best what his political leanings are, but they seem like they're left, but I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you anything. I'm just telling you, what is? So Hillary tweets that thing out and then Elon just responds to it and says, uh, there is a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. And then he uh, referenced uh, a website there and that's when Kimmel got in on it. The point being that something is shifting here. In the old days, and when I mean the old days, I mean literally last week, if the narrative was out there that the Republicans are racist and bigots and conspiracy theorists and all that, there would be almost no way to push back on them because you would get censored or shadow banned or your views depressed or whatever, whatever algorithmic trick is involved. But now Elon owns Twitter and not only does he own Twitter, so he's allowing people to say what they want, um, but he's also getting involved in it himself, right? That may not actually be the wisest thing. Like maybe he should be cooling it off a bit, but he's, he's poking the bear right now. And perhaps the bear needs to be poked. Uh, here's a headline from the New York times that I thought was quite interesting. Elon, I want to read the headline before the Elon retweet of it. It's Elon Musk in a tweet shares link from site known to publish false news. Now, of course, first off, if they were to, uh, if Elon Musk was to share CNN, CNN, puts fake and false news up all the time. Washington Post, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't like this website. So Elon Musk in a tweet shares link from site known to publish false news. And then Elon, this is just so perfect. It's so perfect. This is fake. I did not tweet out a link to the New York Times. So the guy's having fun with it. Why again is this important? This is not about Twitter minutia, but this is about we can expose the nonsense through comedy and an even, even playing field, right? We have not had an even playing field. We've had a dysregulated playing field where we see things in reality, but then uh, the algorithmic depression, the bots, the trolls, all of those things make it seem like what we're seeing in front of our eyes is not real. That seems to be changing. So, okay, so what is the deal with this crazy break-in at Nancy Pelosi's house. Well, I was trying to find a legit journalist and there's a very short list of le legit journalists. Glenn Greenwald, who is a lefty, a guy I've had my differences with in the past for sure, and we've gotten into it publicly over those differences, I would consider him a legit journalist despite our political differences. He had a super interesting thread on what actually went on in this Pelosi break-in. Here we go. It's very possible that the instantly formed media narrative, Paul Pelosi's attacker was a MAGA fanatic who broke in to murder Nancy, will be proven true. 
But right now, there are so many glaring doubts and holes in that story that it just takes common sense to question this. It's genuinely alarming how conditioned so much of the U.S. population is to equate skepticism toward the pronouncements of media corporations, uh, pronouncements of media corporations with mental illness. If you don't instantly accept what Wolf Blitzer and Andrea Mitchell claim, then you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. It's so crucial to understand the dynamic dominating journalism. Few journalists have career security. Imagine you're a young journalist at a big media corporation. You know if you ask these questions, Twitter will explode and it'll ruin your career. Why wasn't there signs of forced entry at the Pelosi home? Who was the third person who opened the door for the police? Why was Pelosi holding a hammer and attack only happened after police arrived? Where is body cam, security footage? Why isn't the press asking these questions? This happened often during Russiagate. I'd get texts, DMs, and emails from younger journalists inside big media corporations thanking me for being skeptical. They couldn't. One Twitter mob against them for questioning Dem narratives, see Dasha Burns or Bo, now, uh, Bo Knows News, can be career ending. Many journalists see the glaring questions and evidentiary holes in the Paul Pelosi narrative, but they also know how important that narrative is to Democrats right before the midterms. So why stick their heads up, provoke a liberal Twitter mob, and be branded? That's the climate. Police investigating the Paul Pelosi attack continue to say they do not know the motive, yet liberal thought leaders like Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Kimmel have decreed that not only is the motive known to them, but only insane or malicious people would question them. Okay, thank you, Glenn Greenwald, because that basically explains that there is a system of selective pressures, young journalists that would love to find out what really happened here. Why is there no security footage at the Pelosi house? The window that was broken, the glass was on the outside of the window. Normally, if you punch through a window, the glass would be on the inside. Uh, why was Paul Pelosi holding a hammer? Why was this guy in his underwear? Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And on top of the fact that Paul Pelosi was just arrested for drunk driving a month ago. Like the guy's life is obviously a bit of disorder, but immediately Hillary Clinton, this is right wing crazy people, right? Jimmy Kimmel jumps in at here. Jimmy Kimmel has no reason to jump in on this except that he's part of the machine. Ilhan Omar immediately, these are right wing, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like they jump to it because in the past they knew they could jump to it. Enough people would hear what they, their conclusion that they wanted to get to. And then by the time it was disproven, it wouldn't matter anymore, right? That's why Brett Kavanaugh turned out not to be a serial rapist. That's why the Jesse Smollett thing turned out to be a hoax. Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't a white supremacist. Russia collusion didn't happen. Very fine people on both sides didn't happen. We've been through this game over and over and over. And now enough of us are realizing what the game is. And then without their algorithmic trickery, they're gonna have trouble holding on. That, which is why I would say to everybody, buckle up kiddo, because it's going to get weird because they're going to have to be more crazy. So my, look, I don't know. I don't know. Was it a MAGA person? Was it a lefty? Was it just some drug addict and, and a, who had a complete crazy political view, uh, you know, set of views or had no political set? I have no idea. I have no idea. But all these people rushing to tell you the thing that fits their narrative, they're telling you more about themselves than about what actually happened. Uh, but why would someone want to Take out Nancy Pelosi. Well, uh, here's a video. This is this is good. This is a little throwback. Uh, this is Nancy Pelosi's daughter who does documentaries. Uh, this is her being asked about her mom a couple of years ago. Just what are your feelings of, uh, about this person who you know quite well becoming Speaker of the House for a second time? 
She'll cut your head off and you won't even know you're bleeding. <laughs> That's all you need to know about her. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, she sounds like a real pleasant lady. Um, anyway, that was a little uh, throwback for you. But how else will the system react to this? As enough of us wake up, and as the censorship decreases, at least at the moment, right? Because that's what's happening on Twitter right now. They will return to hate speech. They will return to fake news. They will, they will lie. How do they lie often? Well, one way they lie is with very misleading headlines. Here's a tweet from Reuters yesterday. Hate speech, online, online extremism, Fed Pelosi attack, terror experts believe. Think about that headline for a moment. Just leave it right there. Think about this headline. How within hours, within hours of this Pelosi attack that, as I just read that Glenn Greenwald thread, it's very unclear what happened there, the motives, how it all happened, why there were no securities and uh, uh, security cameras, et cetera. But somehow they've already, terror experts that talk to Reuters have already figured out it has something to do with hate speech and online extremism, which is exactly Guys, you're not gonna believe it. It's exactly what they would love to have you believe because the guy they don't like, Elon Musk, is now in charge of Twitter. Do you see it? Do you? It's, some, it's, so ob, it's so right there that it's almost like you gotta readjust the eyes to see it because it's just so freaking obvious. It continued, it continued on Twitter. And again, I'm now gonna go, when I talked about uh, Jimmy Kimmel before, when I talk about people who are part of the machine, right? So they don't necessarily know what they're doing exactly, but they're just part of the machine. I would include LeBron James as part of the machine. LeBron James, who in some ways has almost single-handedly destroyed the NBA uh, because people have had it with the politics and he accuses everyone being racist all the time. He has no bad words ever to say about China. Uh, he had uh, a tweet about the Twitter situation. He said, I don't know Elon Musk. And to be honest, I could care less who owns Twitter. But I will say that if this is true, I hope his people take this very seriously because this is scary as fuck, you can, or AF. Uh, so many damn unfit people saying hate speech is free speech. This was a retweet of this guy, Philip Lewis, who said, Elon Musk's Twitter takeover sparked a surge in the use of the N-word on the social media platform. A social media research group told the Washington Post the use of the slur increased by nearly 500%, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so what's interesting here, first off, I, I, LeBron, if you're watching, um, there is no such thing as hate speech. The Supreme Court has decided on this. What we have is free speech. And then outside of free speech and the very, very specific limitations around free speech, meaning that you can't uh, directly threaten somebody's life, something like that. You can't walk into a theater and yell fire with the intent to do harm. That's the specific caveat around that. And then we have very, very tight laws, as you guys know, related to libel and slander when it's spoken and written. Uh, but beyond that, there's no such thing as hate speech because one person's hate speech is another person's free speech. You can say mean things about people. I would prefer that people not use the N-word. I would prefer people not hate people based on the color of their skin or their gender or sexuality or whatever. But are we going to start jailing these people? Now, perhaps you would. LeBron is a fan of China, so he, you know he's not a big fan of freedom in general. Also, LeBron, it's I couldn't care less, not I could care less. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. You guys know that one about me? I can't stand it. If you could care less, that means you kind of care. But if you couldn't care less, you've hit rock bottom of caring. You can't care less. That's what you meant, you, that's what you meant there. Uh, now, interestingly, uh, this continues because uh, we've got another tweet from Elon, and he's quoting uh, the Twitter head of safety here. So this is interesting. He responded 
to LeBron, and he just put the tweet in there. So that's how Elon is in the mix here. Uh, Yoel Roth, again, he is the head of safety at Twitter. He said, nearly all of these accounts are inauthentic, meaning the ones that were saying the N-word. We've taken action to ban the users involved in this trolling campaign and are going to continue working to address this in the days to come to make Twitter safe and welcoming for everyone. Okay, you know, the other part of this that's interesting. So first off, Twitter is looking into it. So on one hand, everyone's saying, Elon Musk is going to make it the Wild West and people are going to say all these mean things and the neo-Nazis are going to show up and the white supremacists. Meanwhile, here you have the head of safety at Twitter being tweeted by Elon. So he's obviously endorsing it, saying, hey, we're looking into these accounts. We've already found out this is a coordinated campaign. We're deleting some of these things. And again, Elon's going to have to figure out what it is in the public square that will be allowed. If Twitter is the public square, whether we like it or not, in the digital space, it is the public square, then they're going to have to figure out some of these policies, but he's trying to address it. By the way, the other hilarity related to all of this, because I saw all of these people who realize that they're losing the narrative right now. They're freaking out. They're saying they're going to leave Twitter, all of these other things. None of them will leave Twitter because they won't build new things. You know, I'm a guy, I built some new things, right? I, I built locals, we merged with Rumble. There, there are new pathways. And I would recommend anyone that's frustrated with anything in your life, any problem that you have, any vision that you see that is not uh, accomplished and completed the way you want, go build something, go build something. It takes work, which I know is that, you know, lefties hate that more than anything else, but go innovate and go do something new. But what's interesting about all of these people who are threatening to leave Twitter and they're so angry about, well, now people are going to say all these mean things on Twitter and they're going to say the N-word and all these other things. Guys, these are the same people, literally the same people who call everyone Nazis. People who aren't Nazis. It's one of the worst things to be called. Has anyone ever called you a Nazi? But you work for a Nazi. You see, people call me a Nazi on Twitter all the time. They call me a homophobe. They call me all these horrible things. You know what you do? You just get off Twitter or you block them or you mute them and life goes on. But we, for some reason, and maybe this has to do with some of the stuff Jordan Peterson's been talking about for years, we have a generation that has grown up where feelings matter more than anything else and they're always looking for someone to solve all of their problems. Anyway, let's go back to LeBron for a second because LeBron is very upset that suddenly because free speech will be defended more on Twitter, and they're not gonna stop hate speech, which again is an indefinable term, uh, LeBron is very upset. Well, it's not like LeBron would have spread fake stories over the years and whipped up some odd racism himself, would it? Well, here's NBC a couple of years ago. LeBron James explained his decision late Wednesday to delete a tweet about the fatal police shooting of 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. The Los Angeles Lakers star tweeted a photo Wednesday afternoon that appeared to show the officer who was involved in the shooting of Bryant with the caption, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer, it's about the entire system and they will always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability. Uh, backlash was swift with Senator Tom Cotton accusing the NBA champion of inciting violence against a police officer. This is disgraceful and dangerous, he tweeted. Is the NBA okay with this? Is Twitter. The body-worn camera of police officer Nick Reardon recorded how he arrived at a reported disturbance late Tuesday afternoon. Reardon drew his weapon as the altercation unfolded, the video showed. Police have said the video shows someone trying to stab a person on the ground as well as a second person. 
So you may remember this story, and I'm only showing this, that everyone has these odd moments where they suddenly care about truth, even though they've been exposed to be lying about things over time. You may remember that story where the officer arrived as this woman with a cleaver was about to stab the hell out of another woman, and he shot the woman with the knife. He didn't, oh, could you just put down the knife? You guys got it, you guys got it. The officer actually saved a black woman's life. Everyone should know the officer's name for saving a black woman's life, but when LeBron thought he could blame that on the police, and he's so damn tired of all of it, well, then he was willing to do that. But LeBron, he's in over his head. I mean, that's another problem with some of these guys, the Jimmy Kimmel types, the LeBron types, these people that get into the system, and you're, you're a comedian, Jimmy, I suppose he's a comedian. Jimmy Kimmel's a comedian. Uh, uh, LeBron is an excellent basketball player. He is an excellent basketball player. Um, but they're in over their head, so they're always talking about things that they don't understand. This is, Phoenix found this, this video from like a year ago. Here's LeBron, this happened a couple of times. He comes out to do press conferences holding books that he obviously have not, has not read. Um, so you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago. But um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Um, it's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very, um, very smart man, very 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 smart man. And basically, um, his words in the in the sixties and uh, and what was going on is actually what's going on today still. It's like kind of hard to watch, right? It's painful. But the point is, like, who, how is this happening to this guy? Like, there are handlers involved. There is someone that kind of tells Jimmy Kimmel to do that. There's someone that tells LeBron, oh, you should walk out there to be photographed with the Malcolm X book, not realizing, I suppose, that they might be asked, that LeBron might be asked, like, hey, what's in the book? And then he just sounds ridiculous. Again, this is all about narrative, narrative control, and, and really narrative collapse, because that is what's happening here. So now if you wanna see another way that the system is shifting in real time right now, as you guys know, let's say the last two years during COVID, if you questioned anything related to vaccines or lockdowns or masks or anything, you would, and this happened to me many times, you'd either get suspended or, or shadow banned or whatever, or they would just put a warning on your tweet. And this would happen on Facebook and Instagram and elsewhere. Um, they would just put a warning. Well, get the facts here, or this post is slightly misleading, or blah! This person's freaking me out. Uh, but now, because Elon has taken over Twitter, it's happening to Democrats. Yes, it happened to the elderly man pretending to be president, Joe Biden. Here's a tweet by Joe Biden over the weekend. Let me give you the facts. And of course, remember guys, Joe Biden is not allowed to hold a phone and he obviously didn't write any of this, but okay. Uh, in 2020, 55 corporations made 40 billion and they paid zero in federal taxes. My Inflation Reduction Act puts an end to this. Uh, well, uh, the fact checkers jumped in. Twitter now fact checked a Democrat. This is bananas. Fact check, the Inflation Reduction Act imposed, uh, Act imposed a minimum tax on corporations with average pre-tax earnings greater than 1 billion. Out of the 55 corporations, the tweet references only 14 had earnings greater than 1 billion and would be eligible under Biden's tax law. So again, guys, the narrative is flipping. The Democrats are used to, what do I always say? 
There is only one privilege in the United States and that privilege is Democrat privilege. You can get everything wrong. You can bring in all the wrong policies. You can bring in all the wrong people. You can destroy almost everything and you will move your way up because of it. Gavin Newsom is the great example of this thing. Destroys San Francisco as mayor, becomes governor of California, likely will be the Democrat nominee for president. That is Democrat privilege. But now, because they lost one of the main pieces of their infrastructure, Twitter, one of their main misinformation uh, pieces in that machine, they're starting to freak out and Democrats are being fact-checked. Uh, fact so the New York Times, uh, which, is, which is mostly fake news and has called me, I think, a Nazi or a racist, certainly, or a whole bunch of other mean things. Uh, and also I can tell Connor wants it to be clear. No one has ever called him a Nazi. He's working for, he's Nazi adjacent, okay? You are not a Nazi. I know your mom loves the show. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the New York Times is covering what's going on from Twitter within uh, Twitter itself. Mr. Musk also appears unlikely to pay the golden parachutes that the fired top executives of Twitter were set to receive. Under the merger agreement, those executives, including uh, Parag Agrawal, the chief executive, had been set to receive compensation of 20 to 60 million if they were fired. Not a bad job if you can get it. But Mr. Musk terminated the, the executives for cause, meaning he did it with justification, which may void that agreement to people with knowledge of the matter said. So this is, this is really beautiful. Elon is cleaning house over there. Okay. He's getting rid of everybody. They're going to look at the algorithms. They're going to figure out what the policies were. Hopefully they'll publicly announce some of the nonsense that was going on over there. Uh, but not, not only that, he's getting rid of the people in charge for cause, not only so that they don't get the 20 to 60 million. Can you imagine being fired from a job and they're going to give you 20 to 60 million, these golden parachutes? That's nuts. Just to be clear, when I fire you guys, you get nothing. You, you can clear out your desk and that's it. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice today considering you run the show over here. It's a, it's a lot. Um, the, the other person who was fired, not just the CEO, was the head of legal and her name is Vijaya Gade. And you may remember her. She did a very infamous appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of years ago. Tim Poole was on there and Rogan, and they were grilling her on the, the asymmetry of their policies, how none of this makes sense. They have all these bizarro rules. Uh, here is video of that, and I will warn you, although the audio is completely clean and clear, uh, Mazemore, who is a brilliant meme maker on the internet, we play a lot of his videos. He did a little fiddling with the video on this one, enjoy. This is what is being debated, whether or not someone is, in fact, a woman when they were born a male. I understand why, why people would not agree with the rule. But that being said, it is a rule on our platform. And once you're warned about the rule, to repeatedly post the same content is also going to be a violation of our rules. Ah, the meme makers. You can see why they want to get rid of the meme makers. Just putting someone in a, in a clown face while they're telling their story makes things funnier and more enjoyable. Uh, anyway, she is the one who, in essence, was in charge of not only banning Donald Trump, uh, but hiding the Hunter Biden story. So Elon, absolutely. I mean, I'm not a lawyer and, and there's obviously going to be, uh, you know, plenty of lawyers on both sides on this thing. But I think Elon has a great leg to stand on. Like this person was in uh, complete negligence of their job, right? D like dereliction of duty, did not do what they were supposed to do, actually did things based on politics and uh, their own personal beliefs rather than what was best for the company, which by the way, you can find videos of mine years and years ago 
saying that the way that we were gonna turn this thing around with big tech was that the, the public, the public stakeholders, right? The people who own these companies would have to turn on the boards because if the boards in essence were doing things that were hurting the bottom dollar, that there's definitely, the, the board has a fiduciary responsibility to its shareholders. So that's kind of what happened here in some way, right? Because Elon basically said, I'm gonna buy this thing and make sure now we are going to do it uh, based on what is profitable, what is right, what is good. I think that is good. Anyway, Elon is also, he's doing something else. He's also doing what I said to you before, that, that after 20 years of social media and everything, we, we need this maturation of the internet. Well, he's trying his best to do just that. He posted a public letter to Twitter advertisers. It's great. He said, dear Twitter advertisers, I wanted to reach out personally to share my motivation in acquiring Twitter. There has been much speculation about why I bought Twitter and what I think about advertising. Most of it has been wrong. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. There is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right-wing and far left-wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide our society. In the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has fueled and catered to those polarized extremes as they believe that is what brings us in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. That is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try to help humanity whom I love. And I do so with humility, recognizing that failure in pursuing this goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. In addition to hearing to the laws of the land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences, just as you can choose, for example, to see movies or play video games ranging from all ages to mature. I also believe that advertising, when done right, can delight, entertain, and inform you. It can show you a service or product that medical treatment or medical treatment that you never knew existed, but is right for you. For this to be true, it is essential to show Twitter users advertising that is as relevant as possible to their needs. Low re relevancy ads are spam, but highly relevant ads are actually content. Fundamentally, Twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform in the world that strengthens, uh, sorry, that strengthens your brand and grows your expertise. To everyone who has partnered with us, I thank you. Let us build something extraordinary together. Look, I do not know Elon Musk. I hope we cross paths one day. Um, obviously, I'm now in the tech world with Locals and Rumble. Um, I think there's a million opportunities there. But that letter right there is exactly right. It is exactly right. The tone is right. The, the, the timing is right. And there is a chance that we can make sure we don't splinter off into all of these ways. We do not know how they've manipulated us. When I tell you that my account is shadow banned, so my views are depressed or whatever it is, it's not even that that matters so much. But what if the stuff that's coming into my feed has been catered a certain way when I don't see other people's tweets and then I bring you guys information, then I'm pushed out of my lane, right? They have distorted reality. And from what I can tell, this guy is just trying to bring a little bit of reality back into the playing field. And man, we need it.
Because not only right now are they losing institutional control, so they're freaking out. The big one, why do you want institutional control? Well, the reason you want institutional control, of course, is because you want political control. And the Democrats are about to lose political control. So even though we have eight days to the election and it's looking good, it's like, again, just don't be overconfident because God only knows what is going to happen in these eight days. And mark my words, they will release violence when they don't get the results that they want. Here's Amy Klobuchar on MSNBC talking to Chuck Todd about Elon Musk and the Twitter situation. Have to do something about this amplification right. um, of this election denying hate speech that we see on the internet. Now that Elon Musk runs Twitter, do you trust him? <laughs> uh, no, I do not. So it's interesting. Uh, she's very concerned about election denying hate speech. Now I already discussed the hate speech situation. What do you mean by hate speech? You mean speech that you do not like, which one person can say about your speech lady. Thus, we don't have hate speech laws. You should really understand that as a Congresswoman. That's one thing. Uh, as for election denying, uh, well, uh, Klobuchar, are you talking about Hillary? Are you talking about Stacey Abrams? Are you talking about the litany of other Democrats who have claimed that Trump was illegitimate or that we had this ridiculous impeachment over, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and of course, the other part that's funny about this Elon thing is if you asked anybody, well, who controls Twitter before Elon? Nobody really knows. Nobody cared. It was like, oh, they got the censorship that they wanted, so they didn't care. Now this guy comes in and says, hey, more speech, guys and they're freaking out. Why would they also be freaking out? Because of the narrative, because of the narrative, because once you have narrative, you can gain political power. I would say that AOC and the squad are the prime uh, example of how once you gain cultural relevance, right? That these women are cool and socialism is cool and blah, blah, blah. Then they suddenly get elevated politically and they're on every channel. And even though AOC is just a Congresswoman from a small district in the Bronx, where not many people voted for her actually, she's elevated into being somehow queen that we should be listening to all the time. And what does she do when it comes to everything? Well, she lies and always tells you how it's all the problem of white people and Nazis and white nationalists. Here she is this weekend. Also, really having to acknowledge a very central fact that reporting from the FBI and from and even in terms of Homeland Security, uh, Jamie and I sit and we he is the chair and I'm the vice chair of the House Oversight Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. And we've held hearings on this. And the, there is absolutely no doubt that the data shows yeah. that the vast majority of, of incidents of domestic terror come from white nationalism and that we are really truly facing an environment of fascism and in the United States of America, this type of intimidation at the polls brings us to Jim Crow. It brings us back and, and harkens back to a very unique form of American apartheid that is not that long past ago. And we have never fully healed from it and those wounds threaten to rip right back open if we do not strongly defend democracy in the United States of America. Three things she says, it's what you could accuse them of. Awful, just awful. She's talking about apartheid. She's talking about voter suppression. Where are the videos, lady? We just played videos last week of what's going on in Georgia while Stacey Abrams is claiming right now that there's voter suppression. They are having the biggest early voting numbers ever. Why don't you show me some of that video of people being intimidated so that they can't get to the polling places, right? Why do you never show that, lady? You can't come up with any of that AOC. When you talked to Chris Hayes before the show, you didn't say, hey, could you throw this video up? Uh, how come uh, we didn't see any video of, of uh, mobs 
or of black people showing up to uh, polling places, huge groups of black people showing up going, I want to vote, I want to vote, but I don't have an ID. Can you help me out? We never see that either. It's so very, very bizarre. But what she keeps saying is that uh, the vast majority of domestic terror incidences, they're, you know, in essence, white people, it's white nationalists. Well, my God, because of the internet, we found video. Remember some of this from uh, these last couple of years? Just cities burning, stores being looted. Look at all these white nationalists. White nationalists burning down Pep Boys. White nationalists burning down Walmart. Look at these white nationalists just rampage. White nationalists got to get a TV when I'm a white nationalist. I forgot what color I am. Look at this, white nationalist. Yeah, burning it down. The white nationalists taking out a whatever that was there. White nationalists burning down apartment buildings. Oh, that was the target. I always, that was, the, for some reason, talking about that target really stuck in my mind. White, yeah, it's just gorgeous. Look at what they're doing. Look at, in the name of white nationalism, stealing all of that stuff, burning down apartment buildings. Yeah, this has been going on. Two years of this. Remember this? And uh, whoops, I can see why you'd be spraying that person with that. Uh, I mean, look at all. Of, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Okay, we could. you got the point, guys. Um, we had two years of mass violence in America's biggest cities, and it had nothing to do with white nationalism, okay? Uh, it had nothing, well, I was about to say it had nothing to do with fascism, except Antifa, which purports itself to be an anti-fascist movement, actually is, I would say, the, the, the foot soldiers of a fascist movement through the Democrat Party. Uh, but let's continue because the election is not looking good for the Democrats, uh, so they have to keep their constituents in a constant state of fear. So what will happen? If they lose, well, of course, fascism will be on the way. It's very bizarre because uh, Donald Trump, who was also a fascist and a Nazi, he's not president anymore. You'd think he would have held on to power if, uh, if that would have worked. Uh, but here is MSNBC's Anand Garadis uh, going on about fascism and democracy, keeping everybody fearful. Gotta keep them fearful. Let's talk about this week we just had. We're ending with poll watchers carrying guns and with Nancy Pelosi's husband being attacked in his home by a potentially mo politically motivated attacker. How much trouble are we in? I mean, I think we, uh, I have been trying to suggest to people that this is not, uh, I think as many of us now recognize, a contest between uh, different tax rates or, or different healthcare uh, policy proposals. This is a contest between part of the country that believes in continued and expanded liberal democracy, uh, an effort to pursue a more perfect union, and a part of the country that is now attracted to the idea of fascism in the United States. And when you see violence being normalized like this, uh, second in line to the presidency, uh, was, is Nancy Pelosi in her home, the guy's attackers looking uh, for her, allegedly. Uh, we are seeing a normalization of violence. I love how he throws allegedly in there at the end because he knows that he just made up the narrative to fit his thing. We don't know what this Paul Pelosi, per, with the person who attacked Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi's house, we don't know. We have no idea. We just don't know yet. And even if it turns out to be a MAGA person, it does, it, everything, if it turns out to be a MAGA person, you can blame everything on anyone who ever speaks about anything. But they are the ones who have locked you in your house, who have kicked you out of your jobs, who use government power to force corporations to do things, which quite literally is the definition of fascism. But they have a panel of people who are wrong about everything, but it's too late. 
How would you get off that ship at this point? If they realize the ship is sinking, how would you get off? Well, I should tell you, some of them will. Some of them will magically get off. That's how some people always survive. There is a certain set of political people who can get everything wrong all the time and they somehow survive, right? Like a Bill Crystal or a Jennifer Rubin, some of these type of people. Uh, I would say you could go back to my track record. My track record is pretty solid. It's not to say I've never got anything wrong. I thought Trump was gonna win the last election, right? I thought Larry Elder honestly had a chance in California. Um, and by the way, you can sometimes fight for things knowing that you're, you're going uphill and it's not gonna work out. But like the basic belief set, I think I've basically gotten stuff right over the last couple of years. These people get everything wrong and then they get invited back. Uh, but they are seeding the ground. You remember the video we showed you last week of Hillary Clinton saying that there is a right-wing conspiracy to steal the election. So apparently you're allowed to talk about stolen elections again uh, because they're prepping everybody for this bloodbath that the Democrats are gonna go through. Well, Hillary Clinton's daughter, Chelsea Clinton, nobody should care about Chelsea Clinton. She hasn't done anything interesting other than be the, the daughter of the Clintons, but they put her on things all the time. We have to pretend that she's worth listening to. Uh, she was on The View, and here's noted racist Sonny Hostin talking about how the Republicans are gonna steal the election. Your mom, Secretary Hillary Clinton, uh, recently warned that right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. I agree with her on that. But when we pressed uh, Senator Ted Cruz, who was here on the show recently. I'm sorry I didn't bring a prop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't have your prop in your prop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, when we pressed him uh, on the MAGA Republicans election denial, he did whip out some sort of prop. And he argued that your mother did the same thing after the 2016 election. What's your well, that's reaction funny, Sonny, to that? I'm, I'm pretty sure that I remember that next day I was standing behind her when she conceded. Mm. Yes. And that mm. she said while she had campaigned very hard against President Trump, uh, she hoped that he would be a president for all Americans. Yeah. Um, that, of course, is not what ultimately happened. And so, you know, I think that Senator Cruz just might have a slightly different memory. Okay, so she's so deeply disingenuous right there. It, it's incredible. She says already, uh, well, this is what Hillary said. They already have a plan. Now, where is the plan? How come Hillary didn't be like, hey, I printed it out. Here's the plan, right? Now, they're making fun of Ted Cruz for having props because you may remember on The View last week, Ted Cruz bust out paper and on the paper, he had the evidence of a gajillion times, roughly, that Democrats challenged the election. Now, Chelsea is right in one, I'll, I'll give the devil his due. Chelsea is right that the day after the election, Hillary did not concede that night, if you remember correctly. There's a lot of people that said she was extremely drunk that night. I don't know if it's true. That's just what I heard. What are you gonna do, ban me from YouTube? Um, but the next morning she did concede, except she then, over the course of the four years of the Trump presidency, along with the major media outlets and big tech, they all worked to undermine Trump at every level. When she repeatedly said he was an illegitimate president who knows, I think she said, he, what was the line, Connor? He knows he's not a legitimate president. She called him illegitimate on Twitter and then said he knows he's not, on video, a legitimate president. So if you, if you do concede, right? If you do concede, but then you spend four years um, saying that the guy is not legit, is that truly a concession? I get it, we had a transfer of power, but you know what? We also had a transfer of power when Trump left, right? Because we've got the elderly men pretending to be President Joe Biden right now. So the issue is that they know that their political narrative is collapsing. And, and as that control falls apart, they are going to freak out more and more. Uh, here is MSNBC's, which as you know, is a televised mental institution, Donnie Douche. And he is uh, warning the Democrats about what's about to happen. And then you see a woman who's raising four kids on, on 400 bucks yeah. 
and you go, nothing else matters to her. There's no, there's no argument other than, uh, you, other than, guess what? We're going to figure out a way to make bread more affordable to you. I mean, there's just, you know, when it's about survival, when it's about these issues that just they can't live. Now, you can scare mm -hmm. them and say it could get worse. They could take your health care away. I mean, that, that's a strategy to go. But, you know, if she is representative of a big part of the populace, and she is, and now let's even factor in people who've seen their IRAs, not a woman like that necessarily, but who've seen their RA, IRAs go down by 20, 25%. It's really tough. And I've come on the show and talked a lot about that. You've got to scare people and make it sh about the Republicans that are, are crazy people. But even with the pending crazy, when you can't afford to buy the stuff that you were able to f buy a year or two or three years ago, it's tough, tough sledding. I hate hate to be negative mini over here. I don't even know what the hell that means. But I am really scared about a bloodbath 10 days from now. All right, first off, if you're an MSNBC viewer, you should listen to Donnie Douche because he's got those big fake glasses. And once you have big fake glasses, that means you know what you're talking about. I should have had my fake glasses for today. Uh, anyway, he's warning them of what is obvious, right? He doesn't even really get into the woke stuff, but he's basically saying, you guys, us, the Democrats, demolish the economy. People have freaking had it. So now that we are 51 minutes into this program, and I think potentially this will be our longest show ever. Now let's talk about the good stuff because I've given you a lot of, well, we started with a lot of good stuff related to Elon, but then it's okay, the Democrats are all going bananas, fine. So what really is happening on the ground so that we can all feel inspired and wanna get out there and vote and wanna help other people vote and make sure that we get this country back because I really, can, I really, really believe we're on the precipice of turning this whole freaking thing around. Well, in New York, Lee Zeldin, who is a Republican congressman that not many people knew about about three weeks ago, okay? Uh, he had a bananas huge rally in Long Island, my home island, uh, uh, over the weekend. Take a look at this. Uh, incredible turnout tonight on Long Island for our Get Out the Vote rally with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Thousands strong showed up for our event on only one day's notice, 10 days until New York elects a new governor. It can't happen soon enough. There were thousands and thousands of people out there in Long Island, Strong Island, as we call it sometimes, when we're rolling down Jericho Turnpike. Um, where are the rallies for Kathy Hochul? None, nobody shows up. Who's supporting this woman that locked everybody down and said she would do it again? Who, right? You got unions that support, but those are individual people. Just what I told you about the, the DeSantis-Christ uh, debate, right, from a week ago where it was like the DeSantis side had real people there. The other side has robots. They have people who all dress the same, who I love abortion. That's what they're there for. There is something incredible happening in New York. There is a freaking chance. Why, it, it, doesn't it remind you a little bit actually, although this one didn't quite work out as we wish, as we would have liked uh, before the last presidential election, Trump having all these huge rallies, you feeling all this energy. And, and then it didn't work out, but it's like, where are the Democrat supporters right now? The polls show it, the, the rallies show it. There are people showing up for the Republicans right now. And Ron DeSantis, who decided to get up to New York to help Lee Zeldin out, uh, he had a, a great little message at that venue. If you are tired of the same old, same old story, well, you have the power to turn the page. You have the power to elect Lee Zeldin as the next governor of the state of New York. You will roll with some changes, and this will be the 21st century version of the shot heard around the world.
I'm telling you guys, something incredible is happening in New York. I said it a few weeks ago, and I really think it's happening. I'm t I have tons of family and friends there, like people, and these are mostly, they're mostly moderate Democrats. They've had it with the Democrats. Again, there are no rallies for Hochul, okay? They're not, they don't exist. There are people who are apolitical, who are, ge who are generally just like New York, forget about it, people who have had it with the Democrats. And by the way, that is why I am so proud to be part of what's going on here. Why I fled California to come to the free state of Florida and now do this show and live my life and expand my family in this incredible state that is ground zero for freedom, as Ron DeSantis told Sean Hannity a couple days ago. Very low energy crowd I can see tonight. <laughs> Governor, great to see you. Um, but we... this energy shows you, and I think you and I agree on this, the red wave in 2022 starts in the state of Florida. We are gonna launch it. Wouldn't that be something if that red wave that starts here, that is looking so freaking strong right here, if we could export that to a couple states, imagine New York flips, imagine Michigan flips, imagine Arizona flips, and suddenly we look at the map and it's like, oh, freedom means something again, right? Like that's how it could be, right? That's actually how it could be. We could do it, guys. It might be happening. And you know how you know, you know how you really know it might be happening? Even the New York Times now cannot ignore Lee Zeldin. This is today in the New York Times why a pro-Trump conservative might win the New York governor's race. Now, I get it. They call him pro-Trump. Now, he ha he's Trump. Yeah, I think he was sort of pro-Trump. He's a Republican. They're calling him pro-Trump because they want to scare their readers into thinking, oh my God, Lee Zeldin is mean. But the point is that they're even writing something that is remotely like, oh, New York is up for grabs is absolutely freaking awesome. And speaking of awesome, awesome will be when we just return to sanity. Awesome will be when we return to the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the states operate honestly and the federal government has been reduced to the point that it cannot control every little thing about our lives. And yes, that's the way it used to be. There once was a guy who said a whole bunch of things that I just said. He was even more eloquent than me. Who was that guy? How about Ronald Reagan? Now, it doesn't require expropriation or confiscation of private property or business to impose socialism on a people. What does it mean whether you hold the deed to the, or the title to your business or property if the government holds the power of life and death over that business or property? And such machinery already exists. The government can find some charge to bring against any concern it chooses to prosecute. Every businessman has his own tale of harassment. Somewhere a perversion has taken place. Our natural unalienable rights are now considered to be a dispensation of government. And freedom has never been so fragile, so close to slipping from our grasp as it is at this moment. Our democratic opponents seem unwilling to debate these issues. They want to make you and I believe that this is a contest between two men, that we're to choose just between two personalities. Well, what of this man that they would destroy? And in destroying, they would destroy that which he represents, the ideas that you and I hold dear. Is he the brash and shallow and trigger-happy man they say he is? Well, I've been privileged to know him when. I knew him long before he ever dreamed of trying for high office. And I can tell you personally, I've never known a man in my life I believed so incapable of doing a dishonest or dishonorable thing. I really think DeSantis is the next Reagan. 
I really believe it. I think if you speak clearly and you fight that fight honestly and you do the right thing and you go back to those founding documents and you have an understanding of what people want within them, that the government should not tell you what to do, that these people who have encroached on us every which way, who want more of our money, who want more of our uh, kids' attention and lives, whether it comes to the, the gender stuff or the race stuff, whether they want to lock you down, put you in masks, that, this is it. You know, it's interesting. He says, freedom has never been so fragile as it is right now. Well, that video is from about 40 years ago. Freedom has never been so fragile, except I, I think if he was to, to see, if Ronald Reagan was still here, to see what these last couple of years have been like, he would go, holy cow, I didn't realize how much more fragile it could have gotten. Uh, but this is the moment, guys. This is the moment where we can reverse it. And instead of freedom being fragile, freedom can be strong. It can be strong because it's inherently strong, because it's inherently part of all of us. Uh, and also don't forget, Ronald Reagan was a former Democrat, right? I know a little something about that journey. It's why I think Dr. Oz is actually going to turn out to be a great Senator because he's most likely, or he was in essence, he was a sort of liberal Democrat most of his life. And now once you go on that journey and you see, I know what was, and I was part of it, and now I know what is, and, I, and the, the trail that I wanna blaze. So Ronald Reagan was loved by Hollywood. He was a Hollywood Democrat who then had his awakening. And once he had his awakening, he became probably the best communicator for American ideas, for freedom, for lib limited government, all of those things. And I think we're getting pretty damn close to bringing that stuff back. And there are, there are plenty of people that are, I would say they're Hollywood conservatives, whether it's Ronald Reagan, whether it's Tucker Carlson, whether it's Ben Shapiro, Donald Trump, Andrew Breitbart, Adam Carolla, like there is a bunch of people that they are not the thing that they wanna pin all, all Republicans or conservatives as, but they're good people and they have a chance to save this thing, and I think you're probably included in that thing right there. Uh, guys, since it is Halloween, uh, it is Meme Monday over at the Ruben Report community. I posted a little Halloween-related meme this morning. This Halloween, I'm going as a Democrat. When the kids come to my door, I'll take half their candy and give it to those too lazy to go trick-or-treating. There you go, and we got hundreds of responses in there, so if you want to jump in, rubenreport.locals.com, and a couple comments from the Locals community. Radically moderate which makes you a right-wing <laughs> crazy person, says, this year I'm teaching the kids about socialism. Gonna leave out a sign that leave, uh, gonna leave out a sign that reads, take one, leave two for the next kid. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same idea. That's how you'll teach a kid. That's how you teach a kid what's right and wrong. Amy says, I'd like to ban the words diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, I don't know that we can start banning words because we're not them. I know you're kidding. Uh, but what we can do is make sure that giant corporations don't have these departments anymore, right? These departments are the ground zero for what destroys all of these corporations because if you are, whatever you are, whatever you are, if you are a shoe company, if you are a hairspray company, if you are a widget manufacturer, your job should be to sell the best widget possible, not to figure out how many black people should be in that department and how many Asian people should be in this department. And once you bring that into your company, you will destroy your company. Uh, you might wanna take a look at Facebook right now and Meta stock, which is down something like 30%. And it looks like Zuckerberg has lost something like $10 billion over the weekend. Uh, I'm not saying the whole thing's gonna freaking crash, but he has, an, he has a very shaky product. And it's not because we don't wanna live in the metaverse, although I think many of us do not. Uh, but it's also because the, the product is now, is now uh, being built by a bunch of people who weren't the most qualified people. 
but they had a certain color of their skin or a certain genital chopped off or whatever else it might be. Uh, Margo says, LeBron is one of the biggest proponents of hate speech. What an idiot. I mean, I think you could argue that. And that's the point about hate speech. If LeBron runs around calling half of America racist all the time and lies about stories and tries to demonize the hell out of cops, uh, could that be considered hate speech? I suppose it could, depending on who's in power. Thus, not having hate speech laws is a good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, 62 minutes. You guys wanna go downstairs, I'll just keep talking for a while. What do you think? Over lunch, you guys will just sit quietly, I'll, I'll just keep talking. If you have not subscribed, uh, rumble.com slash rubenreport, rubenreport.locals.com, my full interview with Andrew Clavin, uh, which people are loving. People love the Clavin. Uh, it is up across platforms right now. And we leave you, oh, I should tell people, me and David and the boys are our skeletons tonight for Halloween. We got skeleton outfits. We're gonna get out there and, uh, and see what happens. Maybe we'll post a picture in the locals community. Uh, I leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president, which will be scarier than anything you're gonna see on this Halloween. See you tomorrow. Wait, wait. Which side do you want on? This side. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.